Hi, and welcome to the First Issue Club podcast, your weekly comic book reading club that looks at what? First, First issues. issues. The best comic book issues. They're an accessible entry point into a new world of comics. Join us on our rampage through the industry. <laughs> a rampage? It sounds like we're fucking shit up. Well, we are. Fucking it up. Every episode. Fuck it up. Fuck it up. <laughs> it, that's what I like. I like that this podcast is aggro sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Take no prisoners. That's our rule, our motto, our credo. And this week, we're doing it a little different. Oh, we're going ham this week. This happens in the summer a lot. Yep. So the comic book publishers in the summer will often say, we're going to number one uh, shit on the world. <laughs> we need money now. <laughs> and there's so many number ones that we've done. SummerSlam, we've done tons of different like weird things. This time we're going big. We're doing a countdown of the top 10 first issues from the past week. Part of this, you can blame Puerto Rican Demon from our Patreon. Patreon. He, he wanted to know what comics we were going to be covering the next week. We said we were going to say, <laughs> we forgot. We forgot. So we said, let's cover all of them. Yeah. So go ahead and just pick them up. Pick up all. Yeah. If you Blanket want, statement. If you want to blame Puerto Rican Demon for this... You're going to have to join the Patreon to chat with him. Mm-hmm. Just berate him. <laughs> the other really thing, give him the business. <laughs> the other thing about the Patreon is we have so much comic book stuff to do that we're going to put all the news in the Patreon this week. So the news hits have transitioned to the Patreon. There's a bunch of them. So if you need that, if that's your juice, if that's uh, the thing that you need in your veins, you're going to have to be a Patreon member for at least one month. Also, I think we're going to do a music review. We are. Just so, what, 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 what album? Join the Patreon, find out. <laughs> if that's your thing, if you go to comic book podcasting for music reviews, the Patreon is yeah. for you. Yep. Perfect. You got to pay for that. <laughs> uh, just shout out though to Wonder Woman Black and Gold. They're not going to be on our top 10 list. Becky Cloonan did the artwork there and it was beautiful, but it's like a. She did some of the artwork. Oh, some of the, Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. Some, some of the artwork. It's like an anthology type thing. Mm-hmm. It, they're great books for what they are, but everyone knows you're buying them for the covers. Mm-hmm. These covers are beautiful. Yeah. So uh, pick your poison and enjoy Wonder Woman, black, white, and gold. Before we get any further. I don't know that there's white in there. Is oh there my white? God. <laughs> Is there? I think it's black, <laughs> white, and gold. That's what I wanted to settle before we got any further. <laughs> okay, go You more. don't know if there's any what in there? White. I, it might just be called black and gold. I don't know. <laughs> there's, well, there's going to be white. You're right. All right. Go, go with your thing. Okay. What are you drinking this week, Gregory? I have a cool can of Tiki Slam. Tart Island Ale from Boulevard Brewing Company. I've got the True Blue sponsor of the of the show in my hand, Space Camper Cosmic IPA, a beautifully satisfying hoppy beer. And mine is a delicious blend of tropical tarts, island getaway in my mouth. I feel like I'm on vacation, boys. Ooh. Don't sell it too hard. Space Camper is the... Yeah, the hey, Space Camper sends me out of this world. <laughs> you know, I am in an intergalactic realm of hoppy goodness when I have Space Camper, but when I want to bring it back down to the terrestrial plane, I grab me a Tiki Slam. Can I say something about this that we didn't get to touch on when we had Adam from, from Boulevard? Our Boulevard boss on the show. And Buddy. He's a Bud boss. Yeah, he's a Bud boss. That's the true best boss you could have. Exactly right. You love to be friends with your boss. Buddy, <laughs> buddy boss. Bud boss. Yeah, Bud boss. Uh, this uh, beer that is like superhero themed mm-hmm. 
also says on the side of it, 7% for the planet. They're giving some moolah back, some profits back towards saving the Earth. The which only, we currently live on. Which we currently live on. The only planet that has beer. Whoa. That is very true. So there's a little bit of a superhero save the world sort of thing going on here. And I appreciate that about this uh brand of beer that sponsors us. All right, let's get into these uh, comic books for the week. We are well read. Mm -hmm. I've had so many words pass through my eyes and brain, and I've pooped them out by this point. Let's... uh, We read 10 comic books. It's going to be crazy. I I read more than 10, thinking that we were going to cover a lot more. I I guarantee you, on this episode, I'm going to mix up storylines and characters the whole time. So get ready to make fun of me. Okay, well, yeah, that makes sense. 10 books is a lot. So give Greg a pass. He <laughs> he has a hard time on norm, on normal weeks. I'm he a dumb dumb. Oh, it's like it's like he has um, dyslexia and he's taking the ACT, so he gets yeah. extra time. Yes. Okay. The TCAs. Yeah. The, the questions <laughs> have to be read to me. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's get into it. Let's start. We're gonna count backwards. So we'll start with the worst book. Uh, but hey, least best. There we go. Is it made more positive spin yes, on it? Least and on, best. And honestly, that's true because. Uh, I don't think there's, there's no books will be completely dogged on in this. I don't think there were many complete whammies. Yeah. So this, <laughs> no murder hobos. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. Uh, there, uh, okay, this may, this may start some controversy. My number 10 was actually Good Luck on Boom Comics. Okay, I'm surprised by that. I am yes. very surprised by that. Okay. So That's it, more middle of the pack for me. I think I would have slotted that in at like a fiver. Here's what happened with Good Luck. So Good Luck was, it's a boom book, and yeah. if you you can just turn to any boom book, any of them, and just go to the 20 pages of ads that are in the back of them and see how hot they have been for the last year. Uh, Berserkers. They do have ways Something's ads, killing, so. killing the children. Like, over and over and over. It again. is weird that after every comic book, they have a victory lap yeah. of all of their successes. Yeah, they're just like rubbing it in your face. So then you think like, good luck's going to be awesome. So I think that this is a case of like overpromise, underdeliver, in some ways. Are you thinking this because they did so many covers for it? They did that, and I just I guess I have an ex- expectation of like a bi- a big boom book that does have a bunch of covers. Yeah. Um, and so. Uh, the premise here is that luck can be commodified in a futuristic world mm-hmm. and that um, people are fighting essentially some cosmic world with either they have bad luck or, or not, right? Right, yeah. And my thing for this was that the writing was a little bit clunky. Mm-hmm. I, it was hard for me to understand where how luck actually was playing out. Like, I, I roughly understood the, the concept. The concept was a little hard to wrap your mind around. Right. There's and, there's this whole conversation around the absence of luck, mm-hmm. which actually turns into bad luck, which is still luck, right? And there's a lot of- They try to differentiate between bad luck and no luck, which was very confusing for me. Totally. And there's a lot of luck puns. <laughs> there are. So I felt like they, they over-invested in luck puns. Yeah. And, and I honestly, this pains me to say this, but the artwork felt sloppy. At times, it it was not like pristine. The covers were really nice, yeah. But like the stylistic that they went for didn't seem to match like the really like kind of heady hard sci-fi nature of the book. You're right. It was like a fun, looser style. I, I kind of like the looseness of the artwork because it kind of played into. I mean, these are kids doing this like job of going into the 
world to find l- bad luck and good luck who are now personified into these two godlike creatures. We didn't mention that. Bad luck and good luck are gods that yes. have like came to Earth. Yeah, and, and so I thought it played up like the kind of campy playfulness of these young kids who apparently have zero luck. Yeah. And that's why they're chosen for this team. And so I thought it played in pretty well, especially with the transition scenes of being teleported from one land to the next. I thought it worked for me personally. Good Luck was not a bad book. It was a book that I really wanted to like. Mm-hmm. As a person who I think I have bad luck, I was really identifying with this, this idea sure, of, of sure. luck being... I Did you know I pee standing on one foot to increase my luck? That, Is that a thing? Is that like a good luck I've thing? I've never heard that in my life. It's a, it's a budget king-ism, but it's a thing that I do... Uh, okay, so I you do. made up... Yes. Ways so this, to get good this luck. I was straight down the line, target audience for this. It didn't land. That's why I put it at number ten for me. Well, I disagree, but great. I'm glad that we start with a disagreement. You always are. <laughs> <laughs> the more tension, you need the conflict in your life. It's fuel do, for him. I do love as an Aries. I love conflict. I, I think give it a chance. What What would you say? Like, if you're a fan of blank, if you're a fan we, of Proctor Valley Road. If you're a fan of sure. teen books coming together to achieve something, um, Layla Star is kind of a book that's been out lately that deals with other godly creatures coming down to Earth. This is yeah. kind of in the same realm as that. That book that we read, Hollow Heart, is that what that was called? Yes. Yeah. It it kind of like d- deals with like this commodification of an emotion in, mm-hmm. a, in a sci-fi way, too. Yeah. Although that book was awesome. I don't know if you stayed on it. And I did. W- while I don't think it will be as complex... As Paper Girls, it's certainly in that kind of genre of young people doing something grand. Yeah, they're, they're, the kids in this are interesting. They're they're a little bit one dimensional. My favorite character has to be carried around in a bag because she does not have legs. Yeah, <laughs> um, not a, not a bad book. Just just the ten. It, somebody somebody had to be the ten. That's where That's I put what it. You put a ten. Okay. Respect. Um, number nine. I'm not sure if it was read by the group, um, but this is Imogen of Weirding Way. Oh, that was the Mike Mag- Magnola book. That was the Mike Magnola book. Now, did that tie into Hellboy? I think it's a Hellboy universe book. So here's the thing about that, and this is why it's number nine. Is I'm just like, fucking like Dark Horse, like just. <laughs> Like, do something else, or, like, does it have to be in Hellboy? Because then it's, like, here's a cool-looking book. Honestly, the book was cool, and the character was cool, Mm -hmm. but I'm just like, oh, this is Hellboy, so this is a whole thing that I don't even get. Like, so then it, like, becomes not for me, when, honestly, it was, like, a really fun book. I skip a lot of things just because it's, like, that's Hellboy universe. No Mm -hmm. thanks. Yes. So, uh, the character was cool. In Pride Month, um, she is uh, a lesbian or she is at least queer, and it was like a fun read. My number nine slot is I'm just like, I feel like I got duped into reading a Hellboy book. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying like, so I, I like Hellboy. Me too. Yeah, and I love the, it. The original run of Hellboy is like one of my, I, I was nowhere close to buying those comics at my age when those books were coming out. Sure. So I've read them in like trade, mm-hmm. and but when I was like, kind of young and like starting to like realize what independent comics were outside of uh the big two like that's yeah. hellboy's a great entry point for that because there were movies and shit like that but yeah. um i love the books it's just the the world is too fucking big yeah and from like you're right from like a comic book fan collector standpoint or like you want to be in on the conversation of this like new fun thing that's happening you'd never get that 
sort of vibe or feeling when they're constantly farming from one universe. And then it just, it kind of feels like Hellboy is just like everything Monster World. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, like except, Frankenstein's in there. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, honestly, I liked it. It just was like confusing Hellboy. You know what I don't need much more of is Nazi fiction. There was that. <laughs> was there? Yeah. That was part of this? Yeah. I mean, you can't have Hellboy without any kind of Nazi reference. Right. That's it, what at, they the, were... at the time, I think... In the we, 90s? Like that? Like Nazis I, still? I think we'd gone a long enough period where like Nazis were like a nostalgic comic book villain, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean. And it was interesting to come back to that and explore their like weird uh how do i want to say this like the, the they even existed to begin with no they're not, like a, they're like a super power the, villain in real life but the fact that they like really explored paranormal shit and this is like a what if scenario right, of like right. what if that paranormal stuff were real yeah how would the nazis have like taken advantage of that like that was an interesting read for me but since hellboy it's been done so many times mm-hmm. that now, even when I see Nazis in Hellboy, I'm like, can we get rid of the Nazis? I think Raiders of the Lost Ark should have been like, and by the way, we've completed it. <laughs> <laughs> we've said all there is to say about these bad guys. Yep, you can't Every do Nazi it. has died. You can't do it, do it anymore. <laughs> we can have fictional bad guys that don't make us think about the Holocaust. How about right. that? <laughs> okay. Um... Coming in at number eight, and this is probably where we're going to start to differ a little bit. I put infinite. Start to differ. Well, I guess you're right. Yes, <laughs> yeah, from, the, already... from the jump, we were. Well, here's the, yeah, arguing. maybe we just try to find some cohesionism. Some common, common ground. ground. Yeah, I put infinite frontier at number eight. I agree with that. Okay. So, oh, oh, and just so you know, infinite frontier is the essentially Elseworld book. Um, for, oh, no longer Elseworld. No, yes, right. the fusion. You're right. The fusion of the DC world and the aftermath of death metal. Yeah. Um, coming to 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 fruition with a of Earth twenty three, I believe. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'll go ahead and say. So Greg agrees. I disagree. I loved this book. I I did too. But it's the same thing with the Hellboy stuff. It's a big buy in because you would need a lot of back knowledge if you're not a DC d- fan. D- here's what I appreciated. Uh-huh. Well, one, is anyone who's not a DC fan <laughs> can read infinite. buying Infinite Frontier? You never know. I guess you <laughs> also, don't Also, there know. was an issue zero. There was an issue zero. That issue was like a real head trip. Mm-hmm. I actually liked issue zero. I... And this book kind of like the end of it paid off a cliffhanger from the end of Infinite Zero. But the death I, of the quintessence. But one thing that I found really interesting about this book is that it deals with, if you didn't read Death Metal, it deals with a lot of like multiversal stuff. And the fallout of it is like Earth now recognizes that multiple universes exist. And you kind of see like Reddit threads and tweets where humans are like coming to term with the fact that they're like other thems in other universes. And what does that mean? And what are those people like? And mm-hmm. what do they have to worry about now? Right. And the fact that they acknowledge that it's like, Okay, Superman did come out and do a press conference where he explained this, but I'm still like, what 
the fuck did he just tell me? <laughs> like, I love that they acknowledge right off the bat that, like, the way people are reacting to it are the way a lot of us comic book fans react to this. Yeah. That you're just, like, multiple universes and there's different people. Like, what the fuck is happening? I think this actually leads into a perfect thing that we have never talked about on this podcast. If you were to run into your alternate universe self, would you kiss yourself? Uh, yeah. Just, like, really. Like, not a peck. Like, like full-on kiss. What's the... Tongue. Unprompted? You know what you want. You meet yourself. <laughs> you meet your alternate reality self. They're thinking the same thing. I was someone catcalling me and being like, kiss each other. <laughs> I would look at you know, some like baseball game on the kiss cam. I would take off my shirt and look at my back. Oh, so you would like oh, give yourself an examination. You never get to see yourself from the back. Yeah. Oh, that's actually really smart. <laughs> that's great. Hey, How's put your... on these jeans and give me a twirl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gotta look good in those. Yeah, I want to mm-hmm. see what your posture is when you walk five yes. feet in front of me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Correct all your weird waddles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fix but your stride, idiot. I would not kiss myself. I would. I'd give it a I, It wouldn't it a be go. out of the realm of possibilities. If so. you met your wife from an, another universe... And you slept with them. Are you cheating on your wife from this universe? Yes. Hmm. Oh. I didn't know that. Confirmed. Yes. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got some bad news for my wife. <laughs> yeah, I have to go. Okay, let's go back to the list. And here we're going to go at number seven. I kind of paired these together so you can maybe guess what the next book is. I have Heroes Return mm-hmm. on Marvel. Uh, which is the Jason Aaron book yeah. for the Squadron Supreme uh, Elseworld book. In a well, wo- actually, it's not an Elseworld. Again, not an Elseworld book. <laughs> As we this, find out. Yeah, so this is the book where the Avengers are not around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blade's the only one that knows mm-hmm. this. And Squadron Supreme are, and they are like full on making fun of the Justice League. Oh, uh, there's even some heavy tongue-in-cheek oh, yes. references to, in this To Superman final book. and Batman, which makes it great. Oh, it's lovely. Jason Aaron is an amazing writer, and that's why it... To, I actually it, think Jason Aaron was having way more fun doing this than his Avengers run oh, currently. To, he, he doesn't give a shit about this book, and the fight <laughs> the fight scenes in this book were awesome. Well, brutal. And they were, they were so fun, and like it felt like all of them were like Spider-Man fights. Mm-hmm. Like where it's just like this like commentary of like funny little jabs and stuff. Yeah. I love that. It it was a it was a good book, but just in the nature of it being like worlds collide, it I kept on being like, where am I? It took a little bit more effort. Yeah, it it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you could definitely tell Jason Aaron was having a good time figuring out these fun scenarios for these characters to go through. Will it turn into anything? Maybe a couple years down the line, the teaser at the end of this book was kind of fun with like the Council of Mephistos all meeting from different universes does, to does this take com- over. Does this complete it? I think this is the end of the Heroes Reborn uh, saga. Okay. Because it, yeah, it had this cool like Mephisto kind of closer to it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a good, really good example of like how to do funny, but also like serious. It, mm-hmm. it was a, it was an honestly really good book. It just was it being so much so like you to even understand that you have to have a good knowledge of what the squadron supreme is right so it was just a high level of entry you have to be in on the joke and again part of the problem of calling it a first issue like you mentioned it was the last issue of an event yeah but it's a first issue somehow yep what the fuck yeah, bullshit there, there you go yeah that that's typical a typical marvel fashion yeah that's a great way of saying it too um then we have 
At number six, we have a DC book called Checkmate. Yep, I didn't read it. Okay. I read it. I cannot believe this is ahead of Infinite Frontier for you. Oh, for real? Okay. Yes. So, if you didn't read it, it's essentially 007 with, like, anybody who is assassin adjacent in the DC world. Um, So, we have uh, Damien's mom. Talia al Ghul. Talia al Ghul is kind of the head of this, like, assassin league, and then... I won't get into like who everybody else, like Green Arrow, Red Arrow, all that kind of stuff. And they are a ragtag team who essentially have to save Talia. And it's like, it for me, it just like reads as like spy world DC. And it was like mystery. And it, I just felt like it was a nice break for DC. It's also the event that is kind of going to be finishing up what Leviathan is. Oh my god, I completely forgot about Leviathan. Okay, so did I. So the fact that Leviathan like came this is like Leviathan part three. Fuck. That checkmate. Book. Nope. And the fact that you named it something else instead of Leviathan. <laughs> I was very like, telling. What the hell are we doing? Like, this isn't anything different than the uh, end to the series that we wrote before. <laughs> I thought we fired the Dio. <laughs> I I think that for me, why it's so high is that if you take out like Leviathan is why it's so low, to be honest. Uh, but like if you take out Leviathan, so yeah. low, it's like almost halfway up the list. What did it get? Number six? No, yeah, it got six. We got five. We got four more, right? <laughs> Still pretty high up there. Okay. Anyway, you're right. Uh, but the dialogue between the assassins and like it was like funny. And then also, I just felt like it was a nice escape for DC. But it's not, I like... Was the Queen's Gambit in it? Ha <laughs> <laughs> chess joke. There you go. There was some, like, kind of like... Was there chess humor? Yeah. Rip this book up and throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> We're a checkers family. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, maybe checkmate's too high. When it, it, you know, my emotional gut reaction was like, I kind of liked it. It was fun. I'm a sucker for Robin being in it in a little bit, too. Sure. I get, there was some fun banter, but there's just if you don't understand what Leviathan is or who some of like the ba- like the bad guys are in this book, you're kind of just like I don't get the stakes or like what the hell is. So happening. I actually I disagree a little bit because I felt like they did a really good page summary of Leviathan in like one page, did like they? what it came to be. And was like, this like pretext um, and not actually built into the story? No, so like they basically were like so they're infiltrating Leviathan. There's a Reddit post and, you read, and they're trying to take it down. And like in one page, they're just like, and Manhunter's the head of Leviathan, and like they show like is like he and they like do a little summary of like he fused all of these acronyms together, and uh-huh. like now it's the head of everything under the guise of trying to do good work. Yeah, it's so it summarized the headiness of Leviathan in like one page. Yeah. And to me, I was like, I, I get it. I haven't read okay. one single Leviathan. <laughs> I have. And unfortunately, I was still like, what? I actually like understood why it was called Leviathan by that like summary. So sure. like, I, I don't know. It, it worked for me. Yeah. There's a couple like new characters that could be around too that might matter too. Mm-hmm. So if you're into first appearances, I for, guess. For me, it was like this, the whole Leviathan series promised like huge things. And then it was like, what were the repercussions of that, really? Nothing, because squat shit got out of control. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. Okay. How many books do we have left? At number five. We have five, five. left. Five. Okay. So okay. we're halfway there. Yeah. 
Halfway. You need to take a break? Well, I'm just saying, I'm really enjoying this Boulevard beer. We're halfway there. Halfway <laughs> through the show. There you go. At number five. We're only paying us so much, Greg. <laughs> you can calm down. <laughs> if we get them all out of the way, we don't have to do it for the rest of the, oh, the there contract. You go. You're just trying to get it out of the way. <laughs> um, at number five, I have Black Hammer Reborn. Now, this is how you do a sprawling, epic, multi-book universe tie-in. Hell, yes. yes. Hell, Hellboy see Black Hammer Reborn. Hellboy yes. is like Shakespeare. In <laughs> the heroes reborn, Black Hammer was like the cliff notes of Shakespeare. It was beautifully done. When we were texting about this book, we we were kind of like, I don't know. There's all these like weird Black Hammer books sure. that like went different places that I didn't like catch on. So I read this book trepidatiously. Same. And I was like, oh wow, this is this is how you redo it. It's also, I think, the best tie-in so far. One hundred percent. Yeah. Of all, out of all of them I've read, this is the best one. This was really just like Jeff Lemire, just like, come on, come, come back, come back. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's really good in here. Just this come was, back, please. And this was a. If you read the original arc or like the first fifteen issues or so, like this was a loose hanging thread from that resolved. Mm-hmm. So, if you're a Black Hammer old head <laughs> from <laughs> four years, it's ago. only four years or so old, but. It's there was some great payoff. Oh, totally. from that for sure. But I also felt like it was written in a smart way, where it was like it wasn't complete. You couldn't read it and not have any familiarity with Black Hammer. No, yeah, totally but, right. But but at the same time, it, it would not have been holistically unenjoyable. You're right. This is easier to enjoy from a base level than a lot of tie-in stuff. Yep. Ultimately, because it says like, "Hey, there's this rich history and backstory." But the story itself is intimate <laughs> right. and personal. Right. And it's told through that lens of like we're getting to know this one and individual. This is why I love this format. We I don't think we would have covered this book in the main show at all. Normally. Like yeah. had we had we not done this format, because we would have been like, oh, like weird tie-in, not like a true first sure, issue, sure. kind of a reboot. But doing this format, I'm glad we did it and it 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 it, it is worth getting. If you are a Black Hammer fan at all, it makes me want to go like this. Single makes you issue catch up. makes me, me want to oh, makes yeah. me want to go back to the start of Black Hammer and just like read it again through the lens of knowing what happened to the Black Hammer, yeah. dude. Black the, Hammer the is super fucking good. <laughs> I know we're using like the title of it synonymously with the character of it, but where yeah, like we talk about, it, we're just like it makes it sound more complicated. But the way that Jeff Lemire presented it in the book, you're just like, well, that seems like a kind kind of fun thing that happened. So this is Let's dar- just keep moving. This is Dark Horse again, but this is where they're doing it right. Yes, one hundred percent. Where they're like, well, maybe Jeff Lemire is just a better person. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just morally. Um, okay, number four, I have. Is it Spawn's universe or Spawn universe? Spawn's. Spawn Spawn owns the universe. Possessive, yeah. This was a fat boy. Lots of words. This is yeah, like a trade. A big a big old comic and a lot of to do here. This is it's likely as this is really a zero, to be honest. Probably. A, a setup. Honestly, the size of this worked against it from the start for me. I was like, here we go. <laughs> this is for Spawn fans and Spawn fans only. So, and, If and, Todd McFarlane was trying to get new readers, yeah. he did not achieve you his know, goal. You know what it made me think, though? Like, a lot of us bought Spawn 300 being like, okay, this is a landmark for an independent right. comic book to have reached this point. Yeah. They did such a good job, I could tell by reading this book, of saying, okay, for people who read 300... We're 
and kept Here's one through two ninety nine and kept reading, like we're gonna give you a kind of self contained new story arc that's gonna have a major payoff. See this this is what I gave it for on concept alone. Yeah, because I think with Gunslinger in the last year, the hype on that book, mm-hmm. how it like. The cover price book of that just went insane. Yep. It paid off the fans of that. It redid it. It's going to launch it into four new books. There's it, like She Spawn, Medieval Spawn, like uh, so many things that were introduced in the last couple of years that were exciting for Omega, Omega Spawn, all, yes. yeah, all that kind of stuff. Right. And, it gave, and, it, and it redid it in a way for them to jump in instead of doing it like the way Marvel does, which is like restarting it every year. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that they did it. And I honestly thought that his letter to the editor in the end, like you're Todd McFarlane, you you could you could just wax poetic about how great Spawn is. Yeah. And instead, it's just a whole letter, just like thanking that there is even Spawn fans. Yeah. Right. And, and stuff. And I love I love that. I lo- that's a very Kirkman move to do as well. And I love that his he's well, a huge thing for him is keeping the cost of comic books low. Right. That's like a big emphasis. And it's really cool to say like. There are creators that I really respect and love, and I want to share this with them, and that's why he's bringing in people that will be... I thought at the end of this book, there was going to be, like, the announcements of who was taking what book, and oh, we yeah. were going to see, like, Donny Cates getting, you know, Gunslinger Spawn or whatever he's going to end up writing, because I'm sure he's getting one of them. He is yeah. getting one. He is yeah. confirmed? Okay. Yeah. but um, Kids like chains. <laughs> but even still, it was just... Hearing him just like talk about the concept of opening it up to these like four different writers was really fun and cool. I will say, reading Spawn, you, the omnipresent narrator is a little the, bit like it's it's too much. The narrator is such an old school way of writing comics, and it just seems so dated now it does seem very anachronistic now like no (laughs) one charles dickens no one writes comics like that anymore i love that you knew what i was gonna say (laughs) (laughs) but i was just like the narration is such an antiquated comic book thing right you you go back into your marvel unlimited app and you say i'm gonna catch up on all these like classics and you're like man these are hard to read like sandman (laughs) yeah they're just like telling you like uh course he's dismayed by the you know actions of his once lover yeah and you're like god they they read like campy like soaps and i think that spawn is self-aware enough to know obviously that Mm -hmm. it's like doing it but it is still like it's not necessary it doesn't make my experience of reading the book better i wish like if it came off as more of an homage and less of like, this is how we're legitimately trying to tell the story. <laughs> I might appreciate it a little more, but man, get rid of that. And I, I hope in these upcoming spinoff books that like all these creators that are more modern don't try to write in the like classic Spawn voice. No, let's like keep they, that shit. They bring their back own, in the eighties. Yeah, bring you bring your own voice to it right. because this is written in the same style as it was in nineteen ninety two, which you know is dated very dated it's yeah. hard it's hard to read a comic like this the other thing that's yeah i don't even know spawn is an interesting concept because it like it appears at face value like it's like dark superhero book mm-hmm. but in when in reality it's it's a it's like a demons versus angels book yeah um which is like it's it's a fun i don't know 
okay, let's go to three then. I have Gamma Flight as my number three. Oh, book. that surprises me. Does it? I am confused about what the top three are going to be then. Okay. So Gamma Flight, if you don't know, uh-huh. it's, it's um, everybody that is affected by gamma radiation. Uh-huh. In the Marvel Universe. In the Marvel Universe, uh, except for the Hulk, I guess. Um, being in a semi, I guess like we'll call them anti-heroes, crime syndicate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're having to do gamma world fighting or rescuing and, and things like that. And then Puck, if you don't know. From that- Al- okay, yeah. So this, this group started from Alpha Flight and then they broke away from Alpha Flight because uh, they didn't want to kill someone from like the gamma radiation spill out from um, Immortal Hulk. So right. that's, that's, they're on the run. Because they're being hunted down from Alpha Flight. Okay. But and they're still like renegade heroing. Sure. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And I and I think one, I like that story where it's mm-hmm. like they are they are the villains. They don't think of themselves as the villains. Al Ewing is writing this and he can he can write that. He yeah. can he can thread the needle on that really well. And there is some like weird convoluted characters that you that would make no sense to you if you have not been reading uh, Mortal Hulk. Uh-huh. Um but Or the you, same with like like Titania, like she's a classic She-Hulk villain, and it's just cool to see anything from like Hulk World or Hulk storylines right. be brought into this. And so I I think that it like at its heart, it's also just like a new team forming of uh-huh. like misfits. But it 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 really worked for me, and I was like, this seems like a throwaway book. So this is the opposite of like Good Luck, where I'm like had no expectations and then found myself hooked from the very beginning all the way to the end to anything that they like they don't get along the entire book and what i was going to say about puck is that puck is like used as this force of just being like guys 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 come on like Uh we're just being like the cool head in the yeah peacemaker but otherwise they would like have no semblance of like trying they all hate each other yeah so um but you you don't you feel like that's way too high as, oh, as, as Hulk fans. No, I loved it. I I was just surprised for you specifically. Oh, okay. I got it, yeah. It was so superhero-y. I'm okay. You know with, what I mean? I'm okay with superhero-y when yeah. it's done right. And yeah. In fact, that's my favorite type of book is like, <laughs> it, it. I don't think it was trying to be heady or marvel-y for the sake of being marvel-y. Sure. I felt like it, it's like, what is this story? Al Ewing does a really good job of asking that when of his books. Like, yeah. at the heart of my story, what is this? And and he, it was good. This book, in its essence, is such a offshoot side story of Immortal Hulk. And for me, it was so odd that you're starting it like a month before Immortal Hulk ends. I don't know how long they plan to do this book for or if this is going to be like the spiritual continuation of Immortal Hulk where... I want to say it is a limited run. Yeah. It probably has to be. I'm sure... Yeah, you can't do a Gamma Flight book forever because it's not going to (laughs) sell. It just doesn't have a big name character in it. It's got like, you know, Rick Jones morphed into like a gross upside down head mutant guy. I love that. Yeah. That's like, it's so funny to have just like a disgusting mutated character be like one of the main (laughs) characters in a superhero team. It's like just visually, it's very funny. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, it's just odd to me. It's odd timing for it. And I, I think maybe they were just 
questions that we still wanted to answer within the Immortal Hulk universe, but we're just tying up that story with Bruce Banner and still addressing some of those like background corporation things that we set up about these like evil enterprises messing with gamma people. Right. And there's probably going to be a lot of new characters because we're introducing like people that have like had gamma shit tested on them. And maybe one of those spins out into gamma flight or Hulk universe and becomes a team member. So it's worth picking up if you're like a first appearance hound. And um, Hulk's son, Scar, is back at the end of this. Yeah. So that, that drove. The first appearance of Scar like went way up because of this book. This because, year. because why not? And so, but the cliffhanger of showing him the in it, I thought was like done really well. Yeah, because um, it looks like he's been experimented on a little bit too. Uh, he's got like uh, deformities from from gamma radiation as well. Yeah. So, and I and as a person who has not stayed up on Immortal Hulk, I was just like enjoyable, fun. It was cool, and didn't have any right to be. It it could have been goofy. Yeah. And, and instead, it was like, I don't know that Al Ewing does goofy. So well, uh, this book was also co-written by Crystal Frazier, who is a trans woman. So I just want to give Marvel oh. a thumbs up for really being diverse, especially during Pride Month, which really acknowledge how fucking awesome that. There's okay. a trans character in the book. There is yeah. okay. So that's that was actually one of my favorite parts of this book is when, um, there's a character who's saying like. You know, I don't. I need. I didn't want to be this gamma body. Sasquatch. Doc Sasquatch. Yeah, and they say it to a trans character. Well, they tried to equate what was yeah. happening. Yeah, and and that trans character gets offended and is like, "This is not the same. Like, I I am this. Like, right. I, this yes. didn't just happen to me." And I was like, "Beautifully written. Yeah, Amazing. Absolutely. That well, needs to be in more books." Sasquatch like, makes a point of saying that, like, you you get what I mean about being stuck in something that feels so unnatural. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just like you were saying, Budget King, like, it's your identity and who you are. It's not like, <laughs> I'm unnaturally this, like, this is who I am and who I want to be right now. Yeah. We, writing about non-binary experience in comic books is like, you can't find it done well. Yeah. And to find it in a mainline Marvel book uh-huh. done well, I'm just like, give this book props. Like, this is great. Well, and, like, just like that one moment in one panel had so much good nuance to how, like, it was being addressed, right? right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And such a smart move to have a trans representative kind of write mm -hmm. this and spearhead this movement. It gives it more validity and more of a voice to, you know. Which is the better thing to do in Pride Month rather than having a Pride book, which they also did, but. Yeah. <laughs> quick, a quick knock on Marvel and DC. Those Pride books were a little hokey. Oh, can I say, though, uh, next year, Marvel, get a, get a more prepared for Pride Month because DC yes. did a fucking great job of having, like, amazing covers made Mm -hmm. and like their pride book came out like right away at the first of the month and image always does a great job with their alt covers for pride month or not always but has in the last five years yeah the to me like the marvel pride book came out at the very because they found out that dc was doing one it seemed like it they got an email and of course they made it a voices book which I'm kind of tired of voices books. Like, just make those integrated books. Don't just be like, here's where all of our Native American writers go. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Because then, then you never yeah. hear from them the rest of the year. Yeah. It, it, it is odd. And I want to, like, celebrate it and also be like, 
make that more. <laughs> yeah. So most of the pride covers I've seen for Marvel were like one artist doing like here's a character staring straight on that's like in front of a pink background. Right. Not very you know dynamic. I mean? No, and it's like it was a spotlight showcase kind they of. They did do variant. a little bit with the the Power Pack sister, which I like. Her uh No, oh, I didn't see that when one. When she flies, it's a rainbow. Oh, that's um, cool. Um and so she's in like some of the stuff. I okay. Think, yeah. So but nevertheless, yeah. DC knocked it out of the fucking park with pride covers. Yeah. I think they have so stronger and I'm saying too, like I read a lot of Marvel comics and I read a lot of DC comics. Sure, DC, every single book you buy has that big spread in it. That's like these are our most popular characters that are queer. Yes, and it's just a huge double wide thing that's just like <laughs> pride. You know, like we're here for it. We represent this. And so it's like and, Marvel thought Pride was in July and they're like, oh, fuck, we messed it up. Well, and, no. and they remind you that like one of their main characters is queer. Like it's not just like a side character. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think it's like, to, to me, that's very much saying in this like very, this this industry that has traditionally been heteronormative. Like I love that DC is being like, guess the fuck what? Like we're about it. And yeah. Oh, totally. I just don't feel like we're getting the same, that same power from Marvel. D- DC has definitely embraced their queer characters and their queer culture and integrated it in a way better way than Marvel has. And I don't know why Marvel is stumbling so much with introducing diversity in mm-hmm. that kind of way as far as sexuality is concerned. It's really weird. It's a strange hiccup. But DC, you're right, has just been slam dunking it. Yeah, you would think like X Men would be the great way to like introduce that and like do that. And they've they've touched on it a little bit through X Men, but nothing dynamic. I mean, you have the poly relationship between Gene and Wolverine and Cyclops. Mm-hmm. And then there's like little side characters that don't don't necessarily have names that they right. acknowledge or like in relationships. Leah Williams did a really good job of. Yeah, taking oh, all of those with X Factor, X Factor characters, and being <laughs> which is like, over. <laughs> yeah, I know, which ended. <laughs> I think during it, Pride Month. I cool. Think, I think it got canceled too. I don't think it was a thing where like it got wrapped up in a tight little book. Yeah, right. yeah. It was like this has to end because it's not selling as well. Which I mean, again, too, like, hey, part of this is on us as fans. If you're not supporting yeah. that sort of content, then like, uh, it's, it's not going to go away. It's not going to get made. But at the same time. They need to DC did a really good job of putting this in fucking Batman comics. Yes. You know what I mean? The, that's the key right there. And people aren't having a hard time giving Batman a try. <laughs> They're buying that still because Who's this caped crusader fellow? Yeah, exactly right. Like put more queer characters in fucking Spider Man. Yeah. You or know what Avengers I mean? for fuck's sake. Why the hell wasn't uh Spider Gwen? Queer. A queer character. Yeah. Like, great opportunity to do, like, a mainline huge character that's totally more diverse. What we're saying is make Spider-Man in the Human Torch Kiss. What's number two? Number two is Vinyl on Image. Whoa, that would, vinyl was my numero Vinyl uno. was my number one. I am just... Uh, Number so, two. Let's focus on vinyl. Let's 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 focus on vinyl for a minute. Uh, this is the author of uh, plastic. Plastic. Yeah. Which, uh, author and uh, artist. Okay. Yeah. 
a really great artwork, amazing artwork. And um, vinyl, I think, is a one in four series. And so um, I think this is the exact case for me of like, I, I was like, I don't know what this book is. I don't really care. Vinyl tells me nothing about what the story is. Even in the write-up, I was like, what is this? And then from page one, I was like, I am sold on this. Mm-hmm. It is violent. It is a thriller. It is a horror. There's cult shit. I Leaves you asking a ton of questions. Don't know. Yep. I There's so many don't knows. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't even know who I'm rooting for. It is a mindfuck in all the best ways. Yeah, it was a good fucking time. In fact, I kind of was like, Ice Cream Man, look over here and go back to this. <laughs> like, do, yeah. not, like, not that Ice Cream Man has lost its way. Yeah, haha was cool, but <laughs> yeah, let's but, get back to the cool fun But this, this was really, really well done. Yeah. I love the fact that we've got a serial killer suspect that is like our main character, right? And then you've got the uh, FBI agent who's been like, pretending to be his friend like for a year for like a year and is like hates the like the guy's insufferable (laughs) and he's like i can't have sit through another fucking lunch with this dude and pretend like we're best buds uh essentially this fbi guy gets kidnapped and we find out that this serial killer has been like Hey, he's like in the know. He, yeah, he knows the guy's just been pretending to be his friend, but he's like, that is my best friend, though. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to save him and murder everyone who hurt him. Like, that's the concept of this book. Yeah. And there's something to do with him listening to certain songs that, like, trigger his insanity. So he's got, like, a old iPod, like yes. a colloquial iPod yeah. or something that yeah, he keeps yeah, yeah. on him. And he can play certain songs that, like, it's like he's programmed or brainwashed that when he hears a certain song, he goes, like, ham. I thought it was, so I thought the vinyl thing was at certain murder scenes, he leaves. Does he leave a re- vinyl or a, something? A song on repeat on Yeah, vinyl. like that was the soundtrack to that kill. Yeah. In, in any of the case, great concept, great book all yeah. the way through. Right. Completely had me hooked. Totally. <laughs> There's so many things to love about it. The The character we're talking about is like, prob- if you didn't see the cover, he's not what you're picturing. It's like John Lithgow. He's like an old David Byrne looking character. <laughs> oh, That's yeah. even a yeah. way better comp. Yeah. But it, it, it doesn't invite you to read it. Like it's not... It, the you cover. Would, you would only just pick up this book if you're an image fan or like... Or you like plastic. Or if you liked plastic, right? And, and you know what? The cover itself is one of those like, it's a full wraparound. Yes. Yeah. And when you see the back of it, you're like, oh my God, as a singular whole image, this is like killer promo art. But when you're just looking at the front of it, it's just like a head on shot of this guy with some blood on his face. Just like old, old white man. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, I don't really need that. Right. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah. So, I mean, the fact that I put this in my number two it might be like a case where it's like, Neil Young Harvest Moon or Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot where it's like it was the obvious best pick of the week and then you went with a different book and everybody forgot about that book. I'm willing to be okay with that. All right. Okay. My number one uh, that I went with was Batman Reptilian. Fuck off. By, Give me a break. By, by, by Garth Ennis. <laughs> Uh, you, you, you know what? Sometimes even the Pixies get it wrong. <laughs> I know. And I had this exact thought that, like, Garth Ennis has written some of my favorite comics of all time. And then there are other comics he writes that I'm just like, 
Garth Ennis oh, wrote this? I I completely <laughs> I completely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, there are some Garth Ennis books where I'm just like, Ugh. this is the guy that wrote the boys. Yeah. Um. So you can disagree with me on this, but let me just tell you why I liked this book. Yeah. It's Black Label, and I think they were just like, here is this. Black Label ne- means nothing to me now. Okay, that's fine. Uh, it shouldn't. It, you're right. You're exactly you're, right. You're, the only thing black, I think black label only. There were zero penises in this. <laughs> yes, you're <laughs> right. Not a swear among them. Oh, I totally agree. You're right. Black label means nothing to the audience. All it means is to the writer that's just like you don't have rules, and you could even do things in this world that don't really have implications on the larger DC universe if you want to. Right. This book was mislabeled. Uh, <laughs> Batman reptilian. Tells yeah. you fucking nothing. Like, am I getting like an alligator Batman? I honestly thought I was going to get an alligator Batman. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's got like uh, reptile eyes. Yeah, on one of the covers anyway. I believe it's a one in six. So it's like a limited run, so you automatically know that it's like not gonna be that <laughs> impactful. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, huh? Garth Ennis is doing a Batman book. So for me, it was like I had zero expectations of this book. And in fact, I was just like, I was like, okay, let's just breeze through this. And when there is the first confrontation of Batman and the villain or one of the villains, I've like I just was like, I have never seen this in a Batman book before. I'll give I'll give you that that Garth Ennis had a way of writing Batman as a complete like masochist and sort of just like fuck what <laughs> And it was just like, I don't care about poor people. And I'm like, I'm the shit. And I'm going to take business into my own hands. He makes a comment. And being like, like uber violent. Yes. Like, but Al- I don't kill. Do you remember the whole thing about like, there were kids coming over to like, tour Wayne Mansion and he was supposed to give like oh, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a motivational speech to like underprivileged children. It literally was called the underprivileged children, like nonprofit. Yeah. And He's like, Alfred reminds him of it, and he's like, can you take care of that, Alfred? And Alfred's like, I mean, I guess. I guess, Master Bruce. I guess so. And then he's just like, and he was like, if you could fumigate the place afterwards. You're just like, (laughs) Bruce, these are underprivileged kids. And you're just like, get their nasty, underprivileged stank out of my beautiful mansion. I think like, I just think it's hard to write batman in a way that hasn't been written before mm-hmm. and so here i was like whoa okay this bat." the scene for me was where he essentially makes a guy who is the premise is that he's gonna get off because and this actually makes sense where he's like suing batman because a vigilante hurt him and the vigilante is not associated with actual law enforcement and so he's gonna get off and he's actually gonna make a lot of money which, which would happen in our current court system, right? If some, like, rando punches you, but you did a crime, you could still sue that 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 guy that punched you or right. whatever, hurt you really bad, right? So as that case is happening, Batman goes up to him and essentially just taunts him enough, calling him a rapist and, like, a coward, and gets him to, like, actually fight him. Take a swing at him. Yeah, yeah. on camera, and it, like... It really worked for me. And so I felt like there was like this Batman. The other thing is like this book was way too short. So it's like at the end of it, I was like, what? Which it was long enough for me. <laughs> Same. The big <laughs> the big thing for me of why it pushed it in number one is the art was like I, I amazing, like jaw dropping, like portraiture. 
and it was mostly done with like paints. We don't normally give books accolades from the artwork, but like the artwork this entire time was like the right mood, the right like homage to like 90s like books that did this. Yeah, it's like Tim Burton. Um, I'll, I'll give you that the artwork was not atypical and it definitely was a mood and a vibe, mm-hmm. but I all it also just wasn't on my palette either. I I just, it, it was so unique that it stuck yeah, out to me. Right. So, I mean, I guess number one is strong, but I, but I was just like, <laughs> where does it fit? Because it's yeah. like, I guess it's like, yeah, technically was like Black Hammer Reborn uh-huh. a more enjoyable book. Yes. Yes. But it's like something that took risks and like pushed the boundaries. I felt like the, the week's winner was this, although vinyl is the true number one in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. The funny thing is that when- Spiritual number one. Yes, yeah. When you do step outside Honorary of like- gentlemen's. The 10 books that we covered today, and we go back like a year from now and think about what books came out last year. Most of these, we're not going to remember the name of or that they even existed or that we read them, what the plot synopsis were yeah, yeah, yeah. or anything. Uh, this This week didn't have any books that were like- uh, you keep like are indelible. Yeah, like they're just like, oh my god, we we got a something is killing the children this week. Depending on how vinyl continues, mm-hmm. it could be a memorable book. With a one in four though, that's gonna be tough. Yeah, yeah, I've I seen it that. happen before. Canto did it. Oh, Stray Dogs is about to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into it. That's a Patreon conversation. Um. So yes. Sorry for that hot take. It was more of just like, hey, Garth Ennis actually wrote something I liked recently. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, well, but damn. otherwise, yeah. It, it was a fun week. A lot of reading. A lot of big fucking books. <laughs> yeah. There were some hefty doozies. Don't let it distract you from reading your other uh, books. Month, monthlies. This was, There's a lot of good other uh, monthlies. Maybe we'll get into the, some of those on the Patreon too. But uh, My top 10 list? Bravo. Do you grade it as like a B minus? You want us to grade it right in front of you? Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll stomach it. Hmm. I'll see. Oh, God. Okay, at least I passed. An 82%. Thank you. Okay. That's that's what I like. I'm a B. You uh, started off not strong. A B minus. And you got better as it went on, and then you finished terribly. And then I finished terribly, yeah. Okay. I had like, I was rounding out. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't read the syllabus. (laughs) I do appreciate like someone acknowledging like that whole internet conversation about like, Bruce Wayne has to be like a dick swinging Republican, right? Right. Like this book kind of acknowledges that Batman. Yes. I think he went with what he did with the boys and applied yeah. it to Batman. Uh huh. That's what it felt so, like reading. Which again, I, a year I, I from now, that might that be book more memorable. One hundred percent. If if this book was more like the boys, I would have been way into it. You know why this book way is, into this it. book's going nowhere? The cover is dog shit. Is like I had to both buy, of them are. I had to buy the B cover because the A cover. I also, just hated. we don't even know who Reptilian is <laughs> or what it is. Is it Batman himself? We don't know. Is he the beast inside? Or is it Batman gr- a group? Oh, a they... bunch of people. Oh, we didn't even mention that somebody's essentially like brutally like uh, ma- maiming. I don't know if they murder. Do they murder or ma- maiming supervillains? The reptilian part of our brain, like oh, conspiracy theorist yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of shit. Okay, yeah. It's not Killer Croc. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, I th- I think it's like conspiracy theory stuff. Yeah, you guys have convinced me that it shouldn't be number one, Man, but I but it I is. I can't wait to not read the rest of this series. <laughs> I mean, I'm, that's the funny thing too about like a good author who writes a book that you're just like, 
I don't know. You almost want to keep reading it just to be like, what was the idea here? <laughs> like, <laughs> what was the thought process? I want to see it on I like had to have had some point to make or something that like, I we're definitely just not wanna, getting in the I first I want to see more of what this Batman does, though. I want to see this Batman in a MAGA hat. That That's going to make me just be like, oh, okay, he took some fucking chances. <laughs> the, right. I mean, the, the only book that you would pick up this week of the number two would be vinyl, right? Gamma Flight, maybe. Gamma Flight, Flight maybe, I'm definitely yeah. picking up the second issue. Vinyl, definitely. Yep. I might actually get the second Black Hammer. Yeah, to that's be, a good to point. To be honest. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. I might get the second, what was your 10th book? Lucky... Oh, good luck. Good, good luck. luck. Was his number nine? No, right? it's number ten. Number ten. But that, I think I'm gonna give that another shot. Okay. But we're almost at an hour. We gotta record a Patreon. See ya. Bye. First Issue Club is brought to you by Boulevard Brewing Company via Space Camper Cosmic IPA. Our music is courtesy of the fine folks at Primary Color Music. You can find, friend, and follow us on social media at First Issue Club or firstissueclub.com. You can support First Issue Club by joining us on our Patreon for additional content at patreon.com slash firstissueclub.